For the teens, we had an incredible event to end the summer last weekend that I want to just briefly share about as we continue here this morning. We said, hey, how are we going to end this summer in a great way? How can we sum up the growth and the maturity that as a teen ministry across all three regions here in Dallas we've experienced together? And so we said, you know what, let's get everyone together at UTA. Let's do a battle royale region versus region versus region, nonstop competition for a few hours. We'll call it Sport Fest. The teens got into it. Bit of the drama that went on there because it was a full day of drama and good drama, the sports kind of to kind of highlight and show a little bit. So that we started off with some worship, a devotional to get our hearts right, to engage right. Just because we play sports doesn't mean Jesus and his teachings kind of leave us. All right, we bring that into our sports competition with each. Uh, so we got off to a great start. It was bad. Team there was victorious, got two wins in a row. Uh, the hula hoop team out of there as well. Our basketball team, right there, it is. Basketball team, uh, big mistake by the other teams to uh, kind of go easy on our little under five foot point guard Ashley. There, uh, she started crossing them up, then they realized they got to play defense on her. To the uh, soccer arena, and there we are. We're playing soccer. I had to play back-to-back games, so we were a little fatigued. Fatigue was a factor now, and it was a come-from-behind victory. Okay, for the first game. Then here comes the second game. We're fatigued again, and the second opponent was a little bit better. and so we're trailing two goals with three minutes left to play. Three minutes left. What could happen in three minutes? Actually, a lot. So the East comes out and scores one goal. Then later on, with a minute left to play, the East scores yet again, making it 2-2. In regulation time. Under a minute left. 40-second marker hits. All of a sudden, handball is called on the opposing team, leading to a penalty shot. So the East takes the penalty, scores the penalty shot. We're up 3-2. We kill 40 seconds, and the East takes the soccer as well. I'm telling you, it was full of drama. But if you think the basketball was drama, you think the, the soccer was drama, you should have seen the competition at the Bible Trivia. Well, what's so funny? <laughs> Bible trivia was on. They were going at it. That's our Bible trivia team right there. Jeopardy style, 100, 200, 300 points right. They're going at it, the 100 points, the 200 points. But for some reason, they stayed away from the 300 points. They were kind of scared of the 300-point questions. You know who wasn't scared? Matthew Winter. So Matthew Winter steps up. He starts getting 300-point questions. Helps us just to edge out yet another victory for the East there. Six out of the nine events, the East region placed first. Which led to this. Which led to this. 
One of them was ping pong, by the way. That brought, that brought a tear to my eye. That brought a tear. But it led to this. We were crowned the 2015 Sports Fest champs. It was an incredible feeling, incredible time. Really want to commend the teens because what I saw in the teens that made all the difference was the fact that they weren't in it there for themselves. They were in it for each other. They were a team. They were unified. They knew when to highlight certain people. They knew when to sub. They knew how to encourage and inspire and spur each other on. Whether or not they were engaged, they were physically playing or not, they were engaged. And I want to commend the teens big time for that. But any victory of the teens is also a victory for the parents. So I want to commend the parents for instilling the character and integrity that we saw in the teens that weekend. And so there's the picture, there's the trophy, it's being engraved. Man, I couldn't wait to, to get that trophy and uh, take a picture, drink some ice cold chocolate milk from the trophy and just ah, bask in the, in the victory there. I thought it, but I didn't do it, okay? I, I thought it, though. I thought it. But uh, it was just a really, really great time. You know, we're going to talk about Jesus' habits here. We're going to get into it. But before we do, let's go to God in a word of prayer, and we won't talk about sports anymore. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much just for the opportunity to be here, to be out of bed, to be out, out of ourselves, and to come and to give Give of our heart, our time, our energy, our focus, our strength to you because it's just so right. It's so right to lift your name up on high, to understand and be fully aware that what we have has been given to us by you. And I pray that all of us can engage you here this morning, that we could lay aside the things that would hinder us or block us from hearing you speak. That includes myself. I pray, Father, that us, we would channel in and tap into this habit we're going to talk about here today that your son Jesus was a man known for. And I pray that all of us could walk away today changed and transformed and being known for this specific habit as well. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 There's this one action, guys, one action that can directly affect Every area of our lives, it could affect our hearts, our peace of mind, our personal lives, our grades, our relationships, our health, our eternity, and the souls of every single person on this planet. This one action can affect all these areas of our lives. And we're not talking about you know, positive thinking. We're not talking about this multivitamin thing or, or even exercise, which, you know, it's, it's been doing some good in the mornings, things like that. But that's not what we're talking about here this morning. This action that can literally affect every area of our lives is the habit of prayer. Luke 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished right. You know, the disciples were eavesdropping on Jesus while he was praying. And they were so moved by what they heard that they asked him if they could be taught how to pray like how he prayed. That's the key. Learning to pray like Jesus 
prayed because they saw the power that was in his life and they connected the dots back to prayer. So the goal of this morning's lesson is simple. That you and I will pray more. That we will pray more. Because we don't want to just talk about prayer. But rather I want us to make decisions. I want us to gain convictions this morning that will help us to be the men and women of prayer that God calls us to be. Not just in quantity and how much, but in quality. That we'll walk away where we pray with more understanding, more passion, more discipline, more focus, more specialness, more uniqueness of about, about our prayer lives. The overall goal is that we would pray more because we're tapping into this gift that's called prayer. Let me get you to think of a question here this morning. Why do you pray? Honestly, why do you pray? Do you answer that? <laughs> gratitude. Do you answer that by sharing because I need to? Maybe you pray because you're supposed to, right? How many of us pray because we're, we're supposed to? You know, it's the thing to do. You know, uh, again, we don't raise hands or anything, but you know, you're supposed to do that. It's the right thing to do. Maybe when you don't, you feel your conscience is pricked and you're like, oh man, you know, I haven't done that. I need to do it. It's somewhat of like a conscious cleanser. You know, you just feel wrong. You feel like you did something wrong or bad. And so you're like, ah, let me pray. And when you do, you're like, hey, awesome. I got that out of the way. I'm good for the day. Why do you pray? Do you pray because you want to? Do you pray because it really works? Like, really? Not because you somehow convinced yourself it works. Somehow you've psyched yourself into thinking that it works. You know, I, I tell teens all the time, you know, hey, four years of college without a single cup of coffee. But then I tell them, but you know what I had? I had gallons and gallons of chocolate milk. That got me through college. Now, did that work? Did that really help me stay up late to write these uh, term papers and things like that? I don't know. Probably not. But I psyched myself into thinking that chocolate milk was doing it for me. You see, sometimes we can think of prayer like that, like, like we just psych ourselves into thinking it's, it's going to work somehow. Or do you, in your own life, with factual evidence in your life and the life of others, are convinced that prayer absolutely works? Do you really believe that the creator of the universe listens and responds to you? Do you pray out of obligation? Obedience, tradition. Why do you pray? And maybe you, you can't answer that question. You're like, oh, well, I don't, I don't really pray. So sorry, I can't answer that question. Okay, well then, why do you not pray? Do you not pray because you're so busy? Do you ever feel like that? Like, man, I got so much on my plate. I got so much to do that I just don't have time to pray. I got to take care of this. I got to take care of that. Or you don't pray because you're distracted. Sounds like I'm going to have to go to the mic here. Yes? I will go to the mic. Should I turn this off? All right. Amen. Um, We're distracted. Sorry about that. Do we not pray? Because there's distractions. 
You know, you had good intentions. You were, you were going to. You ever block out a time to pray? You're like, man, okay, I'm going to do it at this time. And then all of a sudden, something comes in. You get distracted, right? Oh, it's, a, it's National Dog Day. i got to take a selfie with my dog. <laughs> oh, wait, I was supposed to do something today. Oh, yeah, that's pray. Ah, oh, for God, I'm too busy now. You ever had an hour in prayer where... You just prayed, but you thought you prayed, but all you did was, you know, recount all the things you're stressed about to God, and you called it prayer somehow. You weren't really looking for answers. You were just blah, and you're just like, hey, all right, I guess I feel better now somehow. But you weren't thinking about God's listening, and he's caring, and he wants to respond to that. Why else do you not pray? Maybe because you don't really believe it makes a difference. Do you really believe that your life And the lives of people around you would absolutely fall apart if you didn't? Do you really believe that? Again, I stress that, I can't stress enough that the goal of the day here is for us to pray more. Amen? We're not just going to talk about prayer. We're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to shake off traditions. We're, we're going to break down barriers and misunderstandings about prayer so that we can experience this rich and intimate life with God. Matthew 6 verse 9 says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. You know, Jesus was going after the heart of man and specifically after their motives. Jesus wants us to know that our great reward is that we know God and that we're known by Him. So He says, our Father in heaven. The foundation of prayer is absolutely in the heart of God. He's the source. He's our Father. Now, depending on the kind of Father you may have had, this becomes a little difficult, becomes a little challenging, maybe a little challenging to relate. You know, my parents divorced when I was growing up, and so I grew up without a father, absent, uninvolved, not interested. But what kind of father... Is God. What kind of God, what kind of Father do we have in Him? Well, He's a God that cares. Psalm 95, verse 6. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. My independence says, I can do this, I can do that, but honestly, who am I kidding? And the times I find myself not praying, not engaging God like that, that I am under His care, it's because I'm self-sufficient. I'm independent. I have experience. I can do this. I can do that. But you know, it's so humbling to understand that when we find ourselves not praying, it's because we're not humble. Because prideful people do not pray. Why? Because they're not, they're not, they're, they're self-sufficient. They, need to be, they don't need to be completely dependent on God. And yet that's where he wants us to be. God continues to illuminate that he cares for us. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he says, Cast all, all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. He cares. He cares about my anxiety. He cares about your anxiety. 
You ever had one of those days where your anxiety is just simmering over you? It's just, there's a weight, there's a burden over you. You're so stressed out, you don't even know why you're stressed out. And you're just looking for someone to cast it on. You're looking for someone, some situation to just cast it all on on someone. It happens to be your spouse who's right there. I'm just going to, man, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed. I'm going to cast it on you. And maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your friendships, your roommates. You're just like, oh, I'm frustrated about the day, the traffic that happened today, the disappointments, the letdowns today. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to cast it out on somebody. I'm going to, hey, you're there. I'm going to cast it out on you. Because you're wondering who cares. Who cares? God cares. God absolutely cares. How much? Well, He cares that He says, hey, cast it all on me. Cast the anxiety on me. I care. I'm strong enough to handle it. He wants to take it all simply because He cares. He cares about your health struggles. He cares about your heart. He cares about your financial struggles. He cares about your marriage. He cares about your children. He cares a lot more than you and I do about these things. He cares about your soul. And honestly, without knowing this, without actually truly believing this, being convinced of this, then we have no reason to talk about prayer. Because we won't be motivated. There's no motivation to pray. Why would we pray if God did not care? But because He does... We have a reason to care, amen? We have a reason to care about our hearts. We have a reason to care about going to our Father in heaven. How else did Jesus pray? Well, he prayed with people and not just for people. Luke 9, verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter and John and James with him. And he went up on a mountain to pray. Jesus took his disciples with him. He made it a point to pray with people. He believed in the power of prayer. And so other people knew him as a prayerful person. How about us? Do our spouses know that about us? Do our children know that about us? Do they see mom and dad working their salvation out through prayer? That we take things All things to God. Maybe in our relationships, our discipling times, the times we get together and we're trying to encourage and work situations out. Do we go, hey, okay, you know what? Let's take this to God. Let's let's always be bringing God into this. Can the people around us say that about us? That we are prayerful people. How else did he pray? He prayed continually. He prayed continually. Whether it's the persistent widow who nagged the judge to change and to fulfill her prayer request. She didn't lose heart and kept praying over and over again. Or whether it's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as as Tommy alluded to. He prayed not once, not twice, but three times to help his heart get to a place where he could engage God's will. He was surrendered. He never gave up in prayer. And neither should we. But other things we've stopped praying for continually in. 
Can you think of something? Are there, is there something that we've, we've maybe are tempted or, or thinking about not praying for? I've been praying for my family to become disciples for a long time. It's all, it's all perspective, 16 years for me. But you know, the reality is, she's not a disciple. my mom's not a disciple yet. She hasn't come to Christ. But in prayer, the times I do commit myself to that, God is answering. You know, this past year, I get a text from one of the disciples out in L.A. who's been reaching out to my mom. And she sends me this text, hey, guess what? I'm at a Super Bowl party. And guess who's here with me? And there's a picture of her and my mom. And I'm like, what? What's my mom doing there? You know, my mom, you know, she, she lacks friends and things like that. But for her to be social, for her to be out with disciples was such a breakthrough. But to me, I'm like, man, you know, God, what? hey, I've been praying. What's up? How are you going to meet this? But the reality is, years ago, that wouldn't have happened. Years ago, her heart wasn't there, wasn't prepared for that. But now she's open to that. She's making steps towards that. And I feel so convicted to not give up on that. To pray continually. And I kid you not, this is not, you know, made up stories, not preacher's exaggeration. Last night, Addie and I were talking about the lesson and just praying and how been praying over uh, many, many things, and one of them, my family, and I get this text last night, I get this text from my sister, and my sister just, you know, I was about to go to bed, she's like, hey, Will, how you doing, and uh, we just started talking, you know, texting, and all of a sudden, she's like, hey, I just wanted to ask you if there's a verse, there's a Bible scripture you could share with me, I'm just going through a hard time, I'm a little depressed right now. It just convicted me of how I think sometimes God's not working. My prayers are just being shut out. He's not responding. But man, I responded to that text. I just I shot scriptures at her. And I, just, I just let her know. I was like, I just want her to know that there's someone who cares. I care. But more importantly, God cares for you. So I need to pray more. You pray for, pray for my family. You pray for the campus ministry, and you pray for the team ministry. I was walking around Jericho walks at certain schools and cities, and I just prayed for the walls to be broken down at these campuses this semester. Prayed for our schools and the teens' courage to start Bible talks and to reach their friends, and for the campus to have an incredible and tremendous semester to start it off right to find the open people at their campuses. It just felt right to, to engage and to spend my time in prayer. But the honest truth is we need to look at enemies of the habit of prayer. We need to look at what stops us, what prevents us from wanting to engage in prayer. First one is praying but not believing God will answer. James 1 verse 6, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Hebrews tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. You want to please God? you got to have faith. 
And that's encouraging because the opposite is true. When we do have faith, it pleases God. You're wondering, is God pleased with you? You're wondering, are, are you bringing a smile to God's face? You have faith, you're pleasing God. And that should encourage you. But is it not true? It's as true now as it was then. That bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. He absolutely does. He's not offended by your big dreams. He's not offended by by this miracle prayer you might pray. Or I'm not sure how you're going to do it, God. I'm wondering, but I'm just going to throw it out there. He's not scared. He's not offended by that. If anything, anything less than that offends God. Why? Because it doesn't require His intervention. It absolutely doesn't. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, then they're not big enough. Because they need to require divine intervention. I think of college. I think of about applying to college. And the odds were so against me. But yet, here I am. God, give me a sign that this is the school. And that you do have a plan for me to go to college. And after talking with the deans of admissions and talking with some uh, people there who are, you know, in the admissions office and things like that, the chancellor of the communications division, they walk out crying after just a few minutes of me sharing my testimony with them and how Christ has changed my life. I go, wow, that's a sign. Because <laughs> I don't know what just happened. One after another just started crying. I'm just telling my life. I'm just sharing about God. That's a sign. You know, I think about this past year and how just uh, the fact that we were able to purchase a home. And when this happened, it was crazy because you know the market, how it is right now here in Texas. 13 other offers on this little home that we're like, oh, we want to call it ours. And when we got there and we saw it, we immediately prayed in it. I'm so grateful for Angela who just, hey, we need to pray. Let's pray right here, right now. That it's God's will. He'll make it happen. 13 offers later, we're in the top three of like the, you know, best offers. So we're competitive. But how are we going to stand out? Well, we got to meet the owner just by chance, just kind of in passing. We just said, man, if it's it's God's will, he'd open it up. And to be chosen out of the 13, you're just like, that's totally God. We've been denied so many other times. We were faithless about all the other situations. We said, God, we'll go anywhere, okay? Plano, Allen, uh, McKinney, maybe even dabble over to Fresco, but anywhere. And then he's like, here you go. Boop. This is where you're going to be. It's just awesome what God does. But we got to pray big. We got to pray big. Not itty bitty, tiny, timid prayers. Not tiny prayers. Big prayers. Because you ask God to slay the Goliath, you ask God to part the Red Sea. You ask God to make the sun stand still? Man, then he's moved and he intervenes in our lives. God is looking to show you and I that he loves keeping promises. He loves answering prayers. He loves performing miracles and fulfilling dreams. Not conditioned on us, but because of who he is. And that's what he does. Number two, an enemy of the habit of prayer. Praying with an unforgiving spirit. Mark 11, verse 25, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. 
you ever find it interesting that it's maybe during those times where we're going to go get spiritual, like go to church or go to midweek or spend time with people, that somehow we get into a bump? We get into an argument. Our guard is down and we make a bad choice. And we're like, oh, we'll deal with that later. But right now we're going to go worship God. We'll, I know we had a bump. I know we got to go worship God though. You ever notice that it's hard to do that when you still have this unforgiving heart towards someone? When you carry that burning with you, it's so hard to please and to worship God when we have this unforgiving heart. Is there anyone you've, you've need to forgive? Is there anyone? Because it hinders your prayer life. Do you believe that? It absolutely does. We've got to forgive one another. Next, prayer. Uh, praying while hanging on to sin. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So we're not just talking about forgiving other people, but we ourselves are needing that forgiveness. And we can have it if we confess our sins, if we just lay it bare, if we come before God and come into the light about the things in our lives that we're not proud of, things in our hearts that we carry the things that need to be dealt with in our hearts. Are we doing that? Because then look at your life and look at, is there evidence that prayer is working in your life? Because if not, is there sin in your life that's unconfessed? Is there sin that you're holding on to? It's blocking. It's blocking the pathway to God. And lastly, prayers. Prayers that never get offered. That's an enemy. Prayers that never get offered. James 4 verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask. God always answers our prayers. He answers them. The only prayers that don't go unanswered are the ones that have not been prayed. But just like we cannot grow a plant without watering it, so we too must first pray and then water. We must take action. Many of us want to do great things. We want, we want to see God do great things in our lives. I absolutely believe that. that you, you're here because you believe that God is going to do great things through you. But we don't put in the effort. We don't put in planting the seeds by first praying, then watering them by taking the steps and the actions that show and demonstrate. We have faith as if God is going to answer that prayer. Yes, no, wait, I got something different or better. But he's going to answer. And so you're taking action in eager expectation of it. We want God to show his power. We want God to help us to bring someone to Christ. We want God to give us peace and joy, perseverance. We want God to transform us. The question is, how often do we plant and water these seeds of prayer in those areas? That we're so focused, we're so specific. Not just general in prayer, we're so specific with God. You ever kept a journal and you write these prayers down and it's so encouraging weeks, months, years later. You can check them off, you can see how God answered the prayer. Again, the way he answered them. But you can be assured, he answered it. He didn't ignore you, he didn't just like... Oh, oh, that one time, oh, I missed that one, I'm sorry. 
No, he heard it, and he was working out a plan to figure out how he was going to answer that, right? To reveal that to you and I. But he does answer. You know, let's make prayer a habit. Let's look at some practicals real quick as we close out here this morning. Making prayer a habit. Choose to pray. Don't wait until you feel like it. You know, I've noticed so many times, don't go by emotion. Don't go by emotion. It just doesn't help. It doesn't always lead us to a good place. We have good intentions, but sometimes they don't get fulfilled. Why? Because it's a decision. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not depending on the circumstance or the situation. It's a decision you deliberately make to pray. Secondly, make prayer part of your day, not just a set time. Not just, hey, I got prayer done today. I'm done. I check it off. I, I, I'm good today because I did my good deed. You're constantly aware and looking at situations to pray about. Praying for the car ride home. Anything could happen like that. Praying for, you know, wow, you know, a situation or devos or certain things that we do that we're going out to. The travel we're about to take to the Jubilee. The Jubilee itself. We're praying for that, to God to work powerfully through that. Pray continually. Pray scripture back to God. You know, we talked about using scripture last week. I hope it's going well with you. I've had a couple brothers text me scriptures throughout the week. It's been awesome to see that. I've been wanting to put scripture into memory for certain areas. I'm encouraging teens. I'm encouraging them to memorize scripture, to battle temptation, and then pray it back to God. You're struggling with pride. You're, you're struggling with obedience to your parents. You're struggling with, you know, impurity. Wow, okay, Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his ways pure? By living according to his word. I've hidden your word in my heart, God, so that I may not sin against you. Wow, your prayers start becoming a little different. You're convinced. This is, words, this is God's word, and it won't return empty. Confess sin immediately. Get open. Come into the light. Don't walk away here today. Allowing sin to triumph in your life because it's blocking your prayer life. It absolutely is. You need to be convinced of that this morning. Keep it simple. It's a conversation. You're talking with your father. Sometimes we get it so complex. Our father, thou art your name, glorious in heavens, who reigns through the, you know, we're just like going off and off and off. He's like, God's like, get to it. What's up? I'm here. I'm listening. You got my attention. Keep it simple. Never give up. Pray continually. And expect answers. Expect an eager expectation that God will answer your prayer. He's ready. He's waiting. And although we're all in certain, you know, different circumstances, you can be confident of this. That you and I are only one prayer away. One prayer away from a dream fulfilled, from a miracle performed, and from a promise being kept. Man, do you believe that this morning? Here's the life-changing truth. God is for you. God is absolutely for you. If we don't believe that, we'll pray these small, timid prayers. But if you do... 
You'll pray big, big, bold prayers to God. And one way or another, small, timid prayers, big, bold prayers, they'll change the direction of your life and who you will become. Prayers are the best predictors of our spiritual future. Who you become is determined by how you pray. Let's not talk about prayer. Let's not just talk about it. But let us, let's, let's pray more this week. Amen? Let's close out in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the way that your word saturated with direction and guidance on how we can be motivated to connect to you. The one that we do not see, the one that we, we yearn to, you know, just, just, man, if we could only see you, then somehow we'd be really convinced. I would never doubt again. But Father, your son tells us that, man, those of us who believe without seeing you have even greater faith. I pray we believe that. I pray we could walk away here today encouraged and strengthened that, wow, God, you're for us. And then when we pray, we pray to a God who is eager and ready to answer our prayers because you care. Because you absolutely care when it feels like no one does. And we could come before you confidently. We could practice this habit in our lives. Be convinced of that. And not be so, uh, again, by tradition or fabricated or be so uptight about it. But we could have fun in our prayer life with you. Because you care. Father, we pray to leave unchanged and moved and prepared to engage in a rich prayer life with you, not just this week, but as we continue running the race with perseverance. Father, we love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We are dismissed.